The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. I'm so happy that you are opting to spend this hour with us, and we are going to have so much fun. And we're not only going to have fun, we are going to get free stuff. Yes, lots and lots of free stuff. So stay near your phone. Here are the numbers in advance. If you are in the U.S. of A., you can call us toll-free at 888 888- Five five eight six four eight nine. If you are somewhere else on this planet, eight one six three four seven five five one nine. And the reason for making note of those numbers, which of course I will give you again later, is that our most generous guests who will be coming up at ten past the hour, Ellen Jaffe Jones and Chef Alan Rottinger, who are the co-authors of Paleo Vegan plant-based primal recipes. Is this going to be a fascinating conversation or what? Yes, it is. But they're also willing to just give out a whole lot of stuff. So Chef Allen has offered a copy of Paleo Vegan. Ellen Jaffe Jones is offering a copy of her first book, the fabulous bestseller and great money saver, Eat Vegan on $4 a day. And also Ellen, who is a certified personal trainer, a certified running coach, and a champion runner in her own right, is offering a free 30-minute consultation and coaching session about food, nutrition, sports, running, fitness, whatever you've got going on via Skype or FaceTime. So 
Keep listening, stay close to the phone, and when those guests come on, start calling with your questions because that's how you're going to win all this good stuff. So I hope everybody has been doing very well. Last week's show was so much fun with Joe Cross of Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. And yesterday, I went up to the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, to uh, work with Joe and his camp reboot. They've got 200 people up there doing juice. Five days of juice, whole bunch of people, and everybody's so excited and so happy. Even yesterday, which was day two, and if you've done any kind of cleansing or rebooting, you know the second day is the hardest, but everybody was really nice anyway. So a shout out to uh, Joe and the reboot community and, and uh, best of wishes to those people who are doing their five-day reboot at the Omega Institute. Now, we had a pop-in visit last week from Janae Claiborne lovely young vegan chef here in New York City. And you know what she did afterwards? I got a call, a buzz from the doorman, and he said, there's a package. And I went downstairs, and there was the most beautiful little brown bag with handles and pretty little biodegradable packing stuff, a beautiful mason jar. I happen to like mason jars. There's something primal, as we have primal in the subtitle of the book we're going to be talking about. There is something primal about the mason jar. And in that mason jar, she had put, oh my goodness, the most delicious macaroons. And you know what? I just ate one because I know we're going to be talking about paleo stuff and people who don't believe in cookies. So I think I just did that to be rebellious. But thanks so much to Janae. So classy. Oh, my gosh. I pray every morning that I never get too busy to be considerate. And I know sometimes I do because I know how busy I am. But I think it's so important to remember that, that our grandmothers are watching from wherever they might be. If your grandmother's still alive on this planet, then, you know, she can really see you and call you up. My grandmother is looking on from the beyond, and she wants me to give people gifts in nice little brown bags, too. Now, I want to share something with you that was written by um, Chrissy Benson, who was co-host a couple of weeks ago when we were talking with Karen Davis about chickens and that kind of thing. Chrissy was helping out. Chrissy's a lawyer and graduate of Main Street Vegan Academy. And she mentioned that the magazine, The Nation, had done an issue about climate change, and they didn't once say anything about animal agriculture. So this is part of the letter that she wrote to them. It's really good. And these letters count. These letters mean something, whether they're published or not. Here's what it says. To read an entire issue supposedly devoted to climate change without seeing a single mention of the impact of animal agriculture indicates to me that the nation, like the majority of American people, is missing a critical piece of the global warming puzzle. The average American can't do much on a daily basis to combat the influence of big oil companies or change our country's problematic energy policies. Not eating meat is the single most effective thing we all can do to reduce climate change impact. And she goes on, and it's great, and I hope they print it. Thank you, Chrissy Benson, for taking a stand. And I've been thinking a lot about the environmental aspects of of what we do in the past few days. 
On Monday evening of this week, I went to the most inspiring event. It was the 80th anniversary celebration of Dr. Richard Schwartz. Dr. Schwartz was a guest on this show this past February. Uh, He's the author of Judaism and Vegetarianism and several other books. And he spoke so eloquently about the wildfires in California and the other things that we're seeing that the climate is just having trouble. And it would be so, so helpful if we would just change the way we eat, change the way we do agriculture, and just give the planet a break. I mean, she's a darn good planet. She deserves it, don't you think? Now, I'm going to give you those phone numbers again, because after the first break, when we bring on Ellen Jaffe Jones and Alan Rodinger, you will have the opportunity to win at least two books and a training session via FaceTime or Skype with Ellen Jaffe Jones. The numbers are 888 888- Five five eight five five one nine. I said that wrong. Start over. Eight 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 five five eight six four eight nine. I was mi- mixing up my toll free number and my non toll free number, so I said that right. Eight 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 five five eight six four eight nine. And then the other number, if you're not in the United States, is eight one six three four seven five five one nine. We're going to catch a break now, and when we come back, we're going to learn all about Paleo Vegan. Stay with us. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Oprah Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They share Unity's classic teachings. 
Join Reverend Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings. Follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine these foundational teachings through the works of Unity authors past and present. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you saying to yourself, I'm going to focus on me starting Monday, or right after the holidays, or on my next birthday? Well, we are here to say, don't wait another moment. Your health is the most important gift you have for yourself and those you love. Start now to become a more vibrant, healthy human being. Take that critical first step and join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central on Awaken to Your Best Health, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for being with us today. And, oh, we're going to have fun. Because this is a topic that so many people are interested in and don't really understand. The book is Paleo Vegan, Plant-Based Primal Recipes. I'm going to tell you a little bit about its two authors. And I'm also going to tell you how I'll be addressing them today because their names sound very similar. And we're all just talking here from different parts of the country and not really seeing one another. So it's Ellen and Alan. And I'm going to call Alan Rottinger Chef Alan because in the picture on the back of the book, he's wearing his chef suit. Now, Ellen does a lot of chefing too, but just for the sake of ease, it's going to be Ellen Jaffe Jones and Chef Alan Rottinger. Ellen Jaffe Jones is a certified personal trainer, running coach, consultant, author, and speaker, vegan for over 30 years, same as me. She is the author of Eat Vegan on $4 a Day and Kitchen Divided. Ellen is a two-time Emmy-winning TV reporter in Miami and St. Louis and winner of the National Press Club Award for Consumer Journalism. You can visit Ellen at VegCoach.com. And Chef Alan Rottinger is a writer, food designer, blogger, public speaker, author of Extraordinary Vegan, Speed Vegan, and Omega-3 Cuisine. His recipes showcase his ability to bring health and pleasure together in a wide range of dishes that are simultaneously sophisticated and accessible to the home cook. And you can find more about Chef Alan at A-L-A-N Rottinger, R-O-E-T-T-I-N-G-R dot 
com. Now, I have to tell you guys, I have been looking through this book. The recipes are superb. And they're actually the kind of recipes that appeal to me because it seems that there are a lot of ways to be vegan out there and they're all good. Just be vegan. It's good. However you slice it. And yet just instinctively, I'm not a big grain person. And I do like just a little bit more fat than some of our experts are talking about. And I look at your recipes and they're just so good. And I think, oh my goodness, does that make me a paleo vegan? Is this something, Ellen, that you're hearing from other people? That maybe they're paleo vegans after all, but they're afraid to say so. Well, on first blush, people feel like you can't marry these two concepts together, paleo and vegan. But actually, they have quite a bit in common. And I read a lot of the meat-based paleo books before I decided to write this. And um, the main thing we have in common is the lack of processed foods, at least if you're following a more healthful (laughs) uh, plant-based diet. And then the other thing is many of the paleo books don't uh, do dairy because dairy was really something that was brought about 7,000 years ago when somebody probably was thirsty and decided that uh, maybe a cow's fluids might (laughs) be interesting to drink on the desert or wherever. So, so, you know, we don't really need to be drinking milk from another species. Our own species milk is, is just fine. So there are these concepts that do blend well, like what did mother nature intend? What did our ancestors really do? And before this book, all the other books that were out there on paleo were meat-focused, written by meat eaters, when in fact we are way more gatherers, or we were, than uh, hunters anyway. And and I just want to be clear, just in case somebody is listening who has never heard of, of vegans before, not long ago somebody was asking me, what's the difference between a vegan and a vegetarian? And I have to remember, these are valid questions. They were questions that I certainly had it. At one point, when you said that the milk of our own species is just fine, it's just fine for babies. It's not like, you know, we're going over to the mother's milk bank and uh, and uh, rating that, being vegans. So, um, Chef Allen, th- these recipes are, are just heavenly. So when you sit down to... Hi, hello, puppy. When you sit down to write recipes with a different focus... What were you looking at for paleo vegan that you weren't looking at, for example, omega-3 cuisine? It seems like there would be some um, carryover. Well, there is carryover because um, actually I don't sit down to write them. I actually write them standing up in the kitchen while I'm coming up with things and I'm writing down what I do. Ah, that's Um, how you do it. Rather (laughs) than writing it first and then trying to make it, I like to just kind of Put things together and then and then write down as I go and then afterwards I have a recipe or sometimes I have to revise it a little bit because it didn't work exactly the way I, I had envisioned it. But the the real bottom line here is that I'm not I'm not cooking quote vegan food or quote paleo food or food with specifically this nutrient or that nutrient. I'm just making food that tastes good. And my my background in as a private chef was always to take the parameters that my employers gave me or my clients gave me. You know, we don't eat this, we don't eat that, we like this, we like that. And then make something really good within those parameters. And it's just the same thing with this. All I did was avoid, of course, I was already avoiding the meat and the dairy, so that was not a problem. And the only thing I had to do is, is not include uh, any more than 20% of the things that paleo diet uh, insists on. It's very and, simple. And those would be what? 
uh, grains no, they, and they sugars? Anything that what they call post-agricultural, when people started growing things, which they say is the beginning of the fall of man or something like that. Um, but it, it includes grains like uh, uh, wheat, of course, and spelt and all, all those things that are actually grown specifically to eat. There are some that are they were called pseudo-grains like quinoa, amaranth, uh, wild rice, uh, buckwheat, um, teff. And those are wild grasses, which uh, I think you probably would have to do something to them to, in order to make them edible. But at least they existed on their own, and some paleo people will accept them as, as uh, they're not truly grains, they're actually seeds. I see. Well, some of the recipes that, that are just divine that I have tried are kale with peppers. Now, I know some people would say, that's too simple. You should have tried something more complex. But this is <laughs> kale with a little olive oil, garlic, red chili flakes, sea salt, and roasted bell peppers and, and some ground black pepper. It is simple, and it's lovely. And, of course, hazelnut chocolate bark. I don't know if it's paleo. I just know it's really, really good. So, Ellen, how did you guys get the idea to write this book? Well, um, from my perspective, I am a certified personal trainer as well as a running coach and active in our local running community. And I started hearing people about four years ago say, oh, yeah, I'm going paleo. And I started reading more about it and realized that it seemed like an awful lot like some of the high-protein diets that I tried when I was a youngster. And I thought, wow, there's a lot of defection going on back to that. And then I started meeting some vegans who said they were going paleo, and they said, oh, we lost so much weight so quickly. And my reaction to that is, well, yeah, um, you can lose weight on a high-protein diet, but often at the expense of your heart and your kidneys and other vital organs. So I came up with um, this concept to do a, uh, a, a vegan version of paleo because there wasn't one, and I really felt it was important for vegans to reclaim and redefine paleo um, for vegans who wanted to do this diet. And our publisher was wonderful. He uh, connected Alan and I together because Alan does have this incredible gourmet chef background and uh, our publisher knew that it would be somewhat challenging to put these two concepts together from a recipe standpoint. So, um, And also because my focus is on sports and athleticism, um, that's really the direction that we've gone in putting the book together. Well, I know that a lot of people say that the paleo diet isn't really all that paleo. What do you think about that? I mean, the traditional paleo diet. Well, you can't get the kinds of things that were uh, often available or not available, as the case may be, back in those times. And those times, by the way, just for those of you who don't know what paleo means as it has been defined by the meat eaters, is a period of, oh, one or two million years ago, starting to about seven to 10,000 years ago, depending which book you're reading. And I might say that the paleo books that are out there really are divergent on some of these concepts. Like many of them offer about a 20% cheat rate so that you, um, they, they feel that a high-protein diet such as it is on paleo may not be sustainable so that you can do these optional kinds of cheats. So if you look at what they're talking about, you know, wild boar or exotic eggs, and you can go on these websites and order them, they're very expensive. And for most people in today's world, that kind of food just really isn't very practical. So most of us are kind of stuck going to the grocery store. Mm. So, 
So I heard Brenda Davis talk about this, Brenda Davis, uh, registered dietitian, and she was citing the work of an anthropologist who was actually looking into what people during this time probably ate. And it was just what you said, mostly gathered, and then whatever they could hunt or or find after some carnivore <laughs> left some leftovers. So in, in this modern paleo idea, what do you think is the romance of it? Why are people so drawn? Well, I think that there is this desire to return to our roots, however you define that, and this concept of how did our ancestors really eat? What did Mother Nature intend? Those are all really valid questions to be asking, especially in a world of Monsanto and GMOs and processed foods. And, you know, you can really start looking at, at some foods as the source of our disease. And I think that's what people are really trying to figure out. But the reality of a wild boar running through our backyard three times a day and being able to catch it with the little tiny tools that they had at the time once those developed, and then the ability to eat it and not get sick and die, uh, it just really, uh, those, those odds aren't very good as far as um, most of our ancestors eating that way three times a day, which is what some of the paleo books that I've read suggest. They even recommend lard and tallow, things that most of us from a cardiac standpoint just wouldn't consider eating and be uh, a beneficial thing at all. Wow, that's almost scary. Um Ellen Jaffe Jones is the guest blogger this week at MainStreetVegan.net, so you might want to check that out as well. She's writing about Paleo Vegan. But if you want the whole book, well, you can certainly get it wherever books are sold, or you could call us at 888-558-6489 or 816-347-5519. Ask a question of Ellen Jaffe Jones or Alan Rottinger and get yourself a book. So we'll be waiting for your call. Now, I know that there was some work done, I think, in in particular at the University of Toronto. Uh, A gentleman named uh, David Jenkins had had determined that perhaps a plant-based diet, but with a little bit less in the carbohydrate, a little bit more in the protein and fat did seem to work better for some people. Now, do you find people who really do feel better when they stay vegan, but they do it a little bit differently? As a personal trainer, I'm fond of saying different things work for different people. And for some of us, it's a lifelong journey of trying to figure out what works. And to answer your question, absolutely yes. I think the uh, work of Dr. Joel Furman is very much uh, focused on more uh, nuts and seeds and greens and um, maybe some beans thrown in there, but not so much of the grains. So it is whatever works. I always say to people, blood tests never lie. If you have any concerns, go get blood tests and go get a baseline and figure out if you have sensitivities or actual allergies. It's always good to know those things. Yes. So, Chef Allen, what's your favorite recipe in the book? (laughs) I always get that question whenever I write a new book. Actually, I have an answer. Because just yesterday I did a cooking class, and I actually have two favorites. My favorite for a while was the kiwi potatoes with olives and rosemary. Uh, it's delicious. And did uh, you say kiwi? No, peewee, like the little bitty ones. They oh, look the like little marbles. ones. 
They're okay. hard to find. You know, if you don't, if you can't find them, you can always use uh, new potatoes. I'm cut in half, so they're more bite-sized, or larger potatoes cut into smaller pieces. Uh, but then there's there's green olives and Kalamata olives, or or I used niswas last night. Really wonderful. And then some herbs and parsley and lemon and lemon zest and olive oil. Very simple. Uh, I love it because it it's just the way I am. I love olives and I love anything that goes with them. But uh, last night I also made the um, arugula with re, uh, grapefruit reduction, and I fell in love with it all over again. It is so simple. All it is is grapefruit juice that's reduced with a little finely diced date for sweetness and a little finely diced uh, shallot until it's thick, and then you can let it cool so it doesn't wilt the lettuce, and then toss it with the arugula, and then add some grapefruit sections and some toasted hazelnuts. It's brilliant. I love it. That's my favorite. Well, it sounds absolutely exquisite, and I would love it if you would come over and cook it for me. Let me admit to you that I guess I have certain food phobias, and these always seem to be the foods that show up in recipes by people who are really good at food, and they are leeks, shallots, and fennel. And just give us a leek, shallot, and fennel tutorial. Because I know you have all three of those in here, and I see them in the store and say, I think I'll pass. Because I just don't know what to do with them. I don't know how to clean them. So they stay in the store. Well, the most difficult one to clean, of course, is the leeks because they grow layers. And between the layers, they also there's usually a lot of mud, and they get dirt embedded between the layers. So all you have to do is, you, without cutting off the root end, you slip a knife in the middle so you'll notice that if you hold up the leek, there's a flat side and a round side, just slightly. You stick it in so the knife is parallel to the flat side and slice it back all the way up through the leaves. And then that root end will hold it together. And then you just kind of separate the leaves under running water and make sure you get all the little sand and grit out that might be there. Sometimes they're very clean, but sometimes there's some grit in there. And uh, then you're good to go. Then you just cut it any way you like. You can you can slice it. You can cut it into little pieces like, uh, like squares. Uh, you can cut it into long julienne strips depending on what, what the recipe calls for or what you're working on. Uh, it's a fabulous thing to put in, in broth if you're making vegetable broth. It gives it an incredible flavor. Use the green part as well as the white part. The shallots are very easy. You just peel them like an onion and do the same thing. Just, just cut it into small dice or pieces, whatever, whatever you need for your recipe. And we'll when, the other one, fennel. Fennel is a fabulous food. It's, a, it's fantastic for digestion. It tastes delicious. And all you do... Um, the easiest thing to do is to cut cut off the the stems where all the the fronds are. Cut them like flush with the with the bottom part, uh, the bulb, and then uh, cut it in half lengthwise. And then usually what I do is I cut out the core. There's a core in there that's hold those little layers together. Um, it's edible, so if you're gonna if you're gonna make a fennel puree or something, you can leave the core in. Uh, if you're making salad, sometimes it's easy. It's 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 just more a better mouthfeel if you're just eating the the layers, the leaves. Uh, and then just slice it crosswise into little little slices. That's the easiest way. And then there are other things you can do with it. I've diced it up, and uh, I made in in extraordinary vegan. I've got one recipe for lentils that I created for a client not long ago, where instead of using onions and leeks and celery and all that, I just used just fennel, and uh, it was it was fabulous. But four, about four cups of diced fennel and then uh, the lentils. It was wonderful. Oh, so there's a lot of things you can do with those. Yeah. Oh, it's it sounds yummy. I wish you lived next door. Now, Ellen, coming back to you, I just feel that there aren't that many people who are paleo. There are a whole lot of people who say, 
I just don't want to be vegan because of all those carbs. What do you tell them? You've got carbophobia. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the diagnosis. And you need to get over it. Um, You know, there are good carbs and there are bad carbs. Uh, the, The whole idea, you know, I taught cooking classes for the national nonprofit, the Cancer Project, which is a part of Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Did that for six years before my first book. And I just saw so many fabulous results. People got the junk out of their diet. They started eating brown rice and quinoa and all these fabulous grains out there and a good healthy dose of vegetables and some fruits. And I saw people um, reduce their A1C numbers. I saw heart disease get reversed. There was even a woman who had multiple myeloma, one of the more fatal forms of, of bone cancer. She lost 120 pounds in eight months, never counting a calorie. She is still alive today. They'd given her up for dead when she came to my class. I mean, results are typical. Um, so if you think about how our ancestors really ate foods in their natural state, um, it's amazing how much you can improve your health. I also would like just to vote for Alan's oyster, mushroom, and baby bok choy curry. We made that in New Orleans um, at a bakery where I was doing a talk, and they, they liked it so much they put it on the menu. So just wanted to give you a shout-out about that, Alan. Wow. Thank if you. you can, Do I get a cut? No. <laughs> but but the satisfaction of knowing that if you can impress New Orleans with food, you can impress anybody with food. Now, going from lovely restaurant to just plain old standing in the grocery store and getting sticker shock, I know, Ellen, that you are very well known for Eat Vegan on $4 a day. So how does a paleo vegan kind of diet stack up in terms of cost? Well, again, when you are looking for ways to save costs, you can join a a community-supported agriculture farm or a co-op and save on even organic food that way. You can just shop the perimeter of the store where the fresh vegetables are. And I always say if you give up meat and dairy, you're going to save so much money. You're going to have plenty of money left over to buy the produce. There's just a story the last couple days about E. coli and hamburger meat. You know, why there's anybody left on this planet eating hamburger, I don't know. There are just so many stories, it seems very frequently now, about uh, how bad all that stuff is. So you're saving money by avoiding doctors and disease. I always look at that as the cost of of doing business. But if you are eating grains, those are generally pretty inexpensive. And if you want to cheat by eating some beans, (laughs) then, you know, again, very a very cheap form of protein. Oh, that sounds yummy. And that sounds doable. Now, very, very quickly, when I think about what the paleo people are trying to do and what the raw people are trying to do, There's some similarity, you know, let's get back and the raw people would say it's back to the garden. So when did we start cooking? Did you find that in your research? When, when did the fire thing enter the picture? Yeah, there's a great book out there called, uh, um, uh, catching fire. And it talks about how, and it's his belief. I actually heard the author speak at uh, Dr. John McDougall's advanced study weekend where I was, uh, very blessed to be a guest chef out there. And uh, he talked about it was the cooking of food that made animals, monkeys, our ancestors grow larger. And um, uh, we actually, you know, a lot of the paleo folks say that it's the meat that made our brains grow larger and we became more smart as as a result of that. But um, it is the author's standpoint in this book that his research shows and there's archaeological evidence of cooking that started um, 
you know, millennia ago, once somebody figured out how to put two sticks together and make fire. So um, as an exact time, it varies depending on the part of the world where this evidence was found. Fascinating. And we'll be back with more fascination after these messages. Stay with us. Guidance and direction are bubbling up from your soul all the time, even at night. But do you hear your soul when it calls? Do you recognize it? Do you trust it? Can you trust it? How can you be certain you are hearing the voice of your precious soul? Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that help you hear your soul, recognize and trust its guidance and begin to take action to create a truly beautiful life. Learn the wisdom habit of divine dialogue in Writing Down Your Soul. How to live a life of integrity in Soul Vows. And discover your soul's unique purpose in Check the Box. If you long to create a soul-directed life, visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your soul wants five things. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio Talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everybody. I am here on the Main Street Vegan Show talking with Ellen Jaffe Jones and Alan Rottinger. They are the co-authors of Paleo Vegan, plant-based primal recipes. I love the idea. We can claim primal, too. Now, Ellen, you were saying during the break that some bodybuilder told you he wouldn't work with weak, puny vegans. Well, maybe that's because he can't find any weak, puny vegans. 
Well, I just saw the post on Facebook right before we went on the air, so I didn't have a chance to read it, but I did post a picture of the wall behind me as we are sitting, which has some of the 75K awards that I've won over the last uh, 10 years or so since I have been plant-based intensely, and I don't know what he's talking about. You know, people always ask me, where do you get your protein? And I flex my bicep, which I'm now doing. I know your viewers can't see it, but trust me on this. People go, ah! you know, they just can't believe that somebody my age looks like that. And I don't even weight train. I, re- I just kind of stick to running because that's what I love to do. But, you know, there's so many myths out there. And somebody posted on Amazon in one of the early reviews, which, you know, just makes your head explode, is saying, oh, you're going to die of Alzheimer's from all the sugar that you're eating from the carbs, and you're going to have muscle wasting. And they put all this stuff out there without even looking at a picture of what we look like. And, you know, the the bodybuilders have really uh, done quite well out there, veganbodybuilding.com. Just run to that website if you have any doubts about what a vegan diet can do for you because the largest animals on the planet are vegan. That's right. And some of the biggest champions who have, say, 70 trophies. Do we know anybody like that? Yes, we do. And that is Ellen Jaffe Jones, champion runner. Do you share your age or do you just say over 20? Well, I I give away a, a free Laura bar if somebody in the audience guesses my age. But um, yeah, I'm gonna be 62 in months. So yeah, um, I'm also seventh in the U.S. in the 1500 meters and tenth uh, uh, in the 400 meters as well. So uh, I competed last year in the national senior games, and what I found was on day three when the, those two events were, I had so much energy and my recovery was great. And that's what a lot of vegan athletes report is that um, they just don't experience, they don't seem to experience injuries and. Uh, Um, that fatigue that a lot of people do if they really intensely compete. That is really exciting. And I was just saying during the break, I mean, my husband, who's not an athlete at all, but who started working out seriously doing a a martial art, and at 62, like you, he has, I mean, he has all these muscles. I I was saying that I I don't want to get him angry. He might turn green and start making weird Hulk noises. This can happen, and it does happen all the time. And you're a martial artist, too, aren't you, Chef Allen? Yeah, I've been practicing kung fu for, I don't know, 10 years, I think. Oh, are we cool or what? (laughs) So do you consider, and I'll ask Ellen first, and then if if you want to weigh in, Chef Allen, as well, do you consider this a high-protein book? Not at all, unless you choose to eat that way. Uh, I think there are so many different kinds of recipes. You can mix it up any way you want to make it pleasurable and interesting to you. Now, I talk about how much protein we should need, but I was just on the USDA's website researching and putting together some new slides for a presentation I was doing, and I, uh, I was blown away. There was an excerpt there that I thought came right out of the China study. In fact, I, I actually thought maybe T. Colin Campbell, the author of that book, was writing for the USDA because it said protein is greatly overrated. Most Americans have too much of it, and you may want to consider cutting back on it. I'm going like, wow, how cool is that? And I think, you know, our Paleolithic relatives just didn't run around trying to figure out how many grams of protein 
a, a day they needed, they could look at their muscles and evaluate whether or not they had more definition or needed more. Uh, if they if their energy levels weren't great, maybe they would try and do something about that. But you know, we all got to this point one way or another. And I once asked a professor, "How have we evolved?" This was a uh, a professor of archaeology, and he goes, you know, we've evolved to eat both meat and plants. We don't keel over and die after eating meat, generally speaking. And he said, but for this day and time, I personally am vegan because I understand that that's the best thing we can be doing for the planet. And that's just a whole nother issue. We have to be current about what's going on in our world, trying to figure out really what is the best way to eat sustainably for this planet. You know, that makes so much sense. As much as I can understand why somebody would want to do a romantic kind of throwback to some earlier time, I usually don't go back to living in a cave kind of romantic time. But, you know, sometimes I think, ah, I love that Arthurian time. I met a fellow yesterday who lives just outside Glastonbury in England, and I was so envious. It just seemed like, ah, the earlier time. But you know, the earlier time, people were dying at 30 (laughs) of these awful diseases. So maybe we've got some good stuff going on now and certainly such a responsibility to, to make things better. So... Chef Allen, when I was asking you and your co-author questions that you would like to be asked, you said something so lovely and philosophical, and if I do say so myself, vegan-like, what would you most like to accomplish with your work? What would you? Well, actually, if, you, if anybody goes to my website and reads my um, mission statement and the About page, the first line in it is, I want to make a significant positive impact on the way people view themselves as reflected through what they eat. Ooh. Well, I think That's... that if you think about it, it's, uh, and I was talking about this last night at the, at the, in the cooking class, and I got a lot of nods from the people in the audience because immediately the, the penny dropped, as you say, in Australia, and, they, and they, it made sense to them. Because when you think about it, I mean, first of all, we, we really only need like five things. We need air, water, shelter, uh, some form of security, which is shelter, uh, and we need food, and, and then a of dog. Course, then, of course, we need, for lack of a better word, love, meaning, connection, relationship, something that makes our lives worthwhile. So, okay, then you know. the dog fits there in the love. The dog is meaning, definitely and, there. And I have two, and they're both very special. Um, but my my area of expertise is food, and I think that all of the all of our problems as human beings have have occurred when we were not paying attention. So it was some lo- loss of consciousness, and I don't mean falling. Asleep. I mean, like where you're, where you're not paying attention, you're not doing things deliberately, you're not doing things thoughtfully, wisely. And when you just eat any old thing, when you stop at some kind of a box store and drive up to the window and reach in and pull out a bag of something and shove it in your face as you're driving down the road, what does that say about you? How do you feel? How do you perceive yourself as reflected through that? Is that good enough for you? Does that represent what you want to do in your life? Or is it just something you're just doing because you've got to do it? And then when it comes down to specifically what you're eating, uh, you know, is it, is it okay with you that some animal has been tortured in this, in this death camp for, for, well, not many years because they fatten them up quickly, and then just summarily executed in, 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 in horrible ways? Is that okay for you to eat? Do you, how does that, how, what does that say about you? And I'm not telling anybody what they should eat. I'm saying, think about what it says about you, and are you comfortable with that? And if you're not, 
Don't you want to change that? Don't you want to improve that so that you can be proud of yourself? Because human being, you know, we've got a lot of things wrong with us, but we are evolution's crowning achievement. Let's face it. It it, So far, it doesn't get any better than this. So we need to represent that. We need to own that and and make it make it wonderful. Make make it something that really is worth being the crown of creation, being something that is proud to be who we are and not just hiding a lot of our acts under the, you know, putting it under the rug because we don't know what to do with it. Mm. And I think if we can just own what we eat and, and improve it constantly, looking for better ways to eat, cleaner ways, less impactful on the environment, better for uh, other creatures, you know, it, it's possible. And it doesn't take, you know, a lot of, you know, thinking all day long or <laughs> philosophizing all night long or whatever. It's, it's little baby steps improving what you eat. And for me, going vegan was a major step in that direction for me, because it, and I and I wasn't even you know, I, I, a lot of people come from the aspect of you know well this is a horrible thing that they're doing to the animals and I want to participate so they go vegan. I actually went vegan because I'd written a vegan book, and I felt so much better that I would never go back. And I discovered only after I stopped eating animals that I had always had a compunction about what happens to them before and during the the end of their life. And I felt so relieved just not to have to worry about it anymore. I wasn't participating. So it's, is, it's, a, it's a journey. And, and I think that if we can take it on, we could actually improve our, our own lot, the lot of animals, and a lot of the entire planet. That is so beautifully put. You remind me of the taxi driver that I had yesterday up in, in Rhinecliff. And when I came down to meet him with one of, of Joe Cross's assistants, she said, and, and this taxi driver's name is Joe, and he's a vegan. And, you know, he's an older guy, small town in, in the uh, Hudson Valley. And I said, well, what made you go vegan? And he said, well, I, I came from Queens, and I didn't like the city. So after high school, I moved up here, and I saw cows eating grass. And it just clicked for me. The cows eat the grass and I eat the cows. That's silly. I should be eating greens. And I thought, but lots of people see cows eating grass and they don't make the connection. How cool that some people do. So, you know, Ella, really uh, what you all are talking about is just this incredible disconnect that we have in modern society where we don't think about how the food gets on our plate three times a day. And one of the best videos I've seen online is this. Um, girl who's inside a box at a grocery store, and there's a guy with a meat pretend meat grinder. Oh yeah, you seen this? Yeah, and he takes this pig and puts it in the grinder or pretends to do that, and then hands a hot free hot dog to somebody going by. And when they see what he's doing, and that this you know pig in theory, you know, the girl catches the pig. It's not really ground up or anything, and she's kind of giggling. And it's it's really a, like almost a funny piece of video, but it really brings home this idea of when people realize how the pig gets on the plate, they like just go into this rage. And the last video, part of the video is the woman slapping the guy who's at the, this meat grinder. And there are so many great videos now online that kids especially who see all this are now connecting these dots. And that's just so important that we understand what is really happening so that we can make informed choices. That is a very, very powerful video, and I'm looking for a link to it. I know that you can see it on YouTube. There's one here called Pig Grinder. I'm not sure that's it. 
This is, I believe, Brazilian. I think they're speaking Portuguese, but it doesn't matter. You can see in people's faces uh, how they're feeling when they really get the connection that there is indeed an animal here. So it seems to me that most of the people that we run into in this country in this day and age, if they're thinking about what they're eating, they're thinking about the size and shape of their body. Are you finding that a lot of readers are picking up paleo vegan because they want to lose weight? Well, it is in uh, a weight loss category on Amazon. So that is one way that people are getting directed to that. And I certainly get questions from people about that. But I really just provide it as an option for vegans who are thinking of going paleo. I was just trying to stop the outflow uh, that I was observing, you know, not a huge thing, but the paleo category on Amazon is quite popular, not as popular as vegan, but it's, it's getting up there. So I think as people repackage the high protein diets and they will probably continue to do that. And I'll tell you, people say, Oh, Atkins is not popular anymore. It absolutely, the top two selling Atkins books outsell almost any vegan book that is on Amazon right now. And I just was going through the grocery store checkout line this week and saw quick and easy Atkins. So it is (laughs) out there. They are pushing it. And it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me because I've seen some of these paleo books. They are so glossy and beautiful uh, with all their photographs that there is some meat and dairy funding because the the price of these books, it's just too cheap. Based on what I know, a book like that would cost to um, produce and then sell. Well, I think it's all about buzz and it's all about people talking. I mean, Atkins has been around for a really long time. The diet was around even before Atkins. My dad brought me that diet from a medical convention in Las Vegas in 1965. And then it was called Stillman. Stillman's or right. <laughs> something, <laughs> you know, they, they just keep recycling. What did Benjamin Franklin say? Three things in life can be said to be certain. Death, taxes, and diets. Well, maybe he didn't say the diets part, but it's totally, totally true. So very, very quickly, in just our last couple of minutes, some early critics and Amazon reviewers, even before reading your book, wrote, how dare you combine the words paleo and vegan? Don't even call yourself vegan anymore. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) What? You know, everybody's an expert on Amazon. So unfortunately, that was one of the early reviews. But I think people just have to look beyond comments like that and understand I am as vegan as the next guy or gal. And I'm just doing this because I, too, want the world to be a better place and and um, that our kids can grow up in worlds that are much healthier than ours ever hope to be. So, you know, you just got to tune out the noise. And I think vegan and paleo is a great marriage. It's been so fun working with Alan. He's just an amazing chef. And I feel really blessed and lucky to have been partnered up with him. Well, I feel blessed and lucky to have had this time with you in our, oh, golly, one minute that's left. Any parting word? Either one or both. Well, you know, I don't, I, I'm vegan, but I don't call myself vegan. I'm just a guy who's trying to get it right. You know, I'm just a soul <laughs> of intentions are good. <laughs> I, I think this is my journey to try and improve myself. And I think anybody who wants to go back to the way things were in the Stone Age, um, they might just think about what that says about where they're going. I, well, I would you, much if, rather go forward than backward. If you have never tweeted... I don't call myself vegan. I'm just a guy trying to get it right. 
You must do that. It's perfect. Last 15 seconds, Ellen. Just go out and enjoy the food, enjoy the world, and thank you so much for having us on. Oh, I'm honored. And I actually talk about paleo vegan in the book that I'm working on now, The Good Karma Diet, because there are lots of ways to be vegan. And this is one of them and a very valid way. So everybody, please be with us next week. And since nobody won anything today, boo-hoo-hoo, I know it's because you're all going to listen on iTunes. Just um, drop me an email, drop me a tweet. And if it's really, really nice, maybe we can impose upon these wonderful people to provide the gifts to podcast listeners. Why not? We are an equal opportunity program. And we'll see you all here next week when our guest is, is Robert Cohen, the No Milk Man. God bless you guys and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Allfree is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life, 
It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down.